Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. They're coming clean. They shut their eyes. They miss their scenes. All your kind. They spool and lance. They crash their kiss. They fire up another episode of Columbia House Party. Jake, what's up, man? This is one of my favorite albums of all time, and I had no idea that those are the opening lines. Yeah, well, that's because so. they do the whole song and a half of instrumental before you get a lyric. No, I know. I just, I don't know. They're not a band that I pay attention to the lyrics, I guess. Well, that uh, that explains their first album. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. How are you, man? Good. We're doing the opposite thing here. We reveal what we're talking about immediately. Yeah. I mean, the names on the on the podcast people clicked. We we figured this That's out last true. week. 45 That's episodes true. in. <laughs> 45 episodes in. We're going to start just putting question marks. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery. Mystery. Uh, we are going to get to it. We're going to close on a mystery today, but uh, for the first time. Ooh. But this is not a mystery. This is episode 45 of Columbia House Party. Thank you for following along with us. Uh, thank you especially to those who support us on Patreon. If you would like to do so, patreon.com slash Columbia House Party. Failing that, please rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Jake, I forget what it was now because we recorded two episodes today, but I made a really good broken social scene joke before we started recording, and uh, I wanted to bring it back up now, but I lost it. I forget what it was. Oh, that's too bad. I was excited to hear it. Uh, not that I knew that you had it until this moment, but now I wish no, I No, it, it happened with you off the air. You said something, and I said... Uh, oh, yeah. You said something was broken, and I said, you know what else is broken? The, the social, social scene. scene. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot what it was, though. This is bad. My mic cord's being tangled or something? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We we have a professional comedian on the podcast today, and I guess like, we're, we're just trying to be funny out of the gate. and We're the very local comic opener for for yeah. the funny person our guest doesn't have any jokes as funny as the broken social scene one that i made off air that i can't remember but he's pretty funny in general and 
Uh, I've seen him roast audience members pretty ruthlessly in person in the past. So, uh, Jake, yet another week where uh, get your defenses up. (laughs) Always. They're always up. All right, uh, let's get on with it. Over the last two weeks, we've gone uh, a little more modern than usual with Phoebe Bridgers and Lord episodes. Uh, We are now going to take it back, not just to something earlier in general, but something at the roots of a lot of this podcast and a lot of our listenership, uh, at least from what we've gathered uh, from things like our Columbia House Party listener survey and our discussions in the Discord chat. Uh, This band has been heavily requested that we get to sooner or later pivoted nicely from Lord because Lord actually references this band on one of her songs. Uh, Kevin Drew also played uh, on the same Oceaga in 2014 that you saw Lord at, Jake. Uh, Kevin Drew, most notably, obviously from Casey Accidental, um, but also had this little side project called Broken Social Scene. This also sets us up, Jake. Uh, if you remember our Blink-182 arc, our The OC arc, our Saddle Creek arc, uh, consider this the beginning of kind of uh, our formative early 2000s CanCon arc. It's going to be a lot of CanCon the next couple weeks, so strap in. You ready to be Canadian, Jake? Are we going to talk in hockey cliches the whole pod? You know me, bud, there's nothing I love more than going out there and leaving it all on the ice. And, you know, if we have it tonight, that's great. And if we don't, then that's okay, too. It's a good thing we got a good old Ontario boy on the podcast. Oh, finally. Today, we're going deep on a very influential and perfectly unique band and a very good genre-expanding sophomore album uh, with the largest band membership of any band we've covered and maybe ever will, with ties that extend all over the Canadian music scene for the nearly 20 years that have followed. Today... We're discussing broken social scenes. You forgot it in people. song was called Almost Crimes, which is how I described all the theft that I did in university. Uh, It was so poor that they were only (laughs) almost crimes. Uh, 
Our guest today probably has funnier jokes than that. Uh, I don't really know. His album, his latest album isn't out quite yet. Uh, we are bringing on a good friend of ours, John Cullen. John, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Nice to be here. Um, you know, uh, it was a hot open. It's a hot open to the show. I like that you did that with the exact tone of like coming out to the stage at a comedy club. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, thanks for I having roll. me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, listen, uh, how about that local sports team? Am I right? <laughs> hey, I did like uh, I did like that Jake's Canadian impression is just his own voice with like ten percent of a French accent. I mean, yeah, he sounded like Justin Timberlake in The Love Guru, basically. Yeah, it was. It wasn't like I was expecting you to go a lot more deep on the on the hockey accent, and it was just kind of your own your own voice, really. Look, I'm. I'm a semi-professional unemployed actor. I'm not going to give it away for free. <laughs> that's fair. And that's a great point. But people do pay for this podcast, don't they? <laughs> they Some can. of them. The they good don't ones. have to. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah, the donors pay, right? <laughs> yeah. J- Jake's saving it for the bonus episodes. Exactly. If you guys want to hear yeah. Jake do a much better hockey player accent like he did in episode season seven, episode three of Degrassi, <laughs> then you can Our, get you listen to the bonus episode. New Patreon tier. I just do monologues from all the movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. People would love that. Here's Jake <laughs> as Slapshot. <laughs> uh, I think I think the hard part for Jake to nail the hockey accent too, John, is that he can't skate. Uh, he's not a, an elite hockey player like the two of us. Uh, yes. so oh, you're that, tossing, with our tossing talent, the never the never played the game argument, are you? Yeah. I see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't talk about it. Don't oh, look Jake at only it. Looked at someone else's spreadsheets to to figure out hockey. He uh, Give, you're giving me he wasn't PTSD. in the corners like us. PTSD from being a hockey writer. That's what's happening right now. Backhand <laughs> shelf, buddy. It sure was. It lives. <laughs> um, it does not live. It act. It actively does not live. Uh, it lived, duh. It was real. <laughs> There's no evidence of it. You but... can't find it, but... <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get this some semblance of on the rails. It has all the makings of an episode that uh, will go back off those rails shortly. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, our guest today, John Cullen, is a professional comedian. You can check out his Twitter, at CullenTheComic. Uh, you can find links there to his excellent stand-up. He has a new album. Uh, John, your album's due out in September? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it'll be late September, early October. Uh, It'll be out on Comedy Records. It's going to be called Long Stories for No Reason. Awesome. Comedy Records, uh, friends of the podcast through Raptors Republic Connection also. Barry and Nick are uh, Raptors Republic guys and uh, former teammates of mine and opponents of mine in different three-on-three basketball tournaments. Well, there you go. So, yeah, so we bring it all full circle. It's like we're, we're proving the, you know, I don't know if you guys have a lot of American listeners or not, but we're kind of proving their like theory that everyone in Canada knows each other. It's true. Um, also, in addition to being a stand-up comedian with an album coming out soon, you can check out John on the far more successful than ours podcast, Blocked Party, <laughs> as well as the POD cast, uh, a monthly new metal podcast, yeah. which begs the question, why aren't we doing a new metal episode with you, John? This was my one chance to talk Disturbed. This was your one chance. We did. <laughs> we did. A, we just did Disturbed for the POD cast and I didn't care for it. Uh, so I didn't want to do oh, any more. And, you know, it's kind of like it sort of goes back to your theory about like, you know, you got to give the paying customers what they want. I didn't want to come on another podcast and give away the new metal content from my own podcast. Plus, I also there's also a couple. I didn't want your listeners to hate me. 
because uh, I feel like a lot of people hate new metal. And I also thought it was important to um, choose an album that has horns on it for Jake. Thank you. It's about yeah, time someone so. recognized it. Yeah. So that's what I'm really, that's kind of my thing. I thought you were going uh, a different direction with the horns because like all of Disturbs early imagery had like devil horns and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and Durams, yeah. uh, different kind of horns. One, one type of horns for Blake, one type of horns for Jake. <laughs> well, the weird thing about Disturbed is like, so when we do the pod, kind of similar to you guys, I mean, your pod is much more, um, it's edited much better and you guys clearly care about it more than Brian and I care about the POD cast, which is good. Like Brian and I both have other podcasts that we're really busy with. The POD cast is like, you know, it's just a fun thing we do on the side. Uh, but we do, I'll read like a lot of articles, especially from like the time period that the albums came out. And uh, David Draymond, the lead singer of Disturbed, is definitely like he's a, he thinks he's a real smart guy. Like he's a, he's got big smart guy energy. He says he's a triple major, which like I don't even think that's like really possible to do. And if it is, it's really stupid. Like, why would you be a triple major like from university? Um, I feel like you get less yeah. of an education that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like you're just splitting yourself off into three different things. But he also just like fully admits that he's like lying about most of the stuff he's talking about. He's like, there's like, I found an interview where he's just like, yeah, like I have that one part in down at the sickness where I talk about how, like how my mom beat me when I was a kid or whatever. And he's like, I feel bad. Cause she like definitely didn't beat me. And like my life was fine. And you're like, oh, oh cool. That's, man. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm glad. Thanks for sharing. Like, yeah. So the disturbed is not the new metal band. You want to like the devil horns and all that shit. They're just, they're just doing it for the, you know, for the fans. They're not, it's not. They don't care, you know. They're not. They're not like Godsmack. They're not Sully Erna, like a practicing Wiccan, you know. Like if you're gonna do it, Damn. do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would uh, say. And that, also, I th- never those fa- quite those realized facts are, uh, those facts are stupefying. That's what I would say. <laughs> I like that you had to interrupt Blake to get that joke in. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. If it was a good comment, I wouldn't have. Yeah, my joke was just going to be about how David Draymond, one of his majors, is looking like a cross between Evan Handler and Dana White. Um, he is uh, he's start, starting to look a lot like Dana White as he gets chubbier and took those. I think he took that like weird double hook uh, LeBray piercing out. And not for me to throw stones at anyone who had a LeBray piercing at one point. Uh, but yeah, not the... Uh, did you not you had one Blake for a, for a guy who's almost fifty now? Yeah, I mean oh, not man. the like two not two circles no, like that like, like the, David the Draymond, one stud. But, uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, with the faux hawk, it was great. Wow, it's a good look. Holy shit, it's a very good look. That's crazy, dude. Good for you. Yeah, uh, it was not good for me. <laughs> it looked exactly. It looked exactly like uh, it sounds. Very warped to her chic. Yeah, I actually <laughs> lost the stud during uh, Motion City soundtrack set at Warp. <laughs> where what? Where was it? Did you swallow it? Like where was Warp Tour or where was no? The stud? Where was, yeah, where was no? Where was the stud? <laughs> I don't know. I just it fell out, and then I had to get a new one. I never had piercings, so the concept of them just like falling out. I don't understand. I don't know. It was like a little, it like screwed in and out and I didn't have a beard at that point. And he was moshing moshing too hard. Jake is what he's trying to say. (laughs) Yes. He was getting it on in the pit. Everything was all right. And it got me really fired up. That's got to be like a weird moment where you have to like relitigate your own piercing. Like when the stud falls out and then you're like, (laughs) do I want to go get another stud or am I still this piece of shit? 
or have I grown yeah. up? Do enough I walk to, like... around with a hole in my face for a little while while this <laughs> yeah. closes? Yeah. Do I got to go to Claire's today and get get myself a stud or what? <laughs> if it fell out so so you could feel attractive today, <laughs> Jake, you waiting again to make a joke like that is. Uh... You really brought it with a professional comedian on the pod today. Hey, I'm, like I'm auditioning for yucks. <laughs> yeah, don't. That's not. Yeah. You, you can do better than that, man. Audition I, for something else. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> so, John, how does it work? Like when you, when this new album uh, makes you huge, <laughs> yeah. Do you and you get to select your own openers and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, is the play to pick someone bad so you sound funnier by comparison? Because. Uh, Jake has just laid out quite the audition. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, yeah, you, you I, I feel like you guys did miss your calling a little bit as like, you guys could have easily been like drive time radio guys, like the Blake and Jake power hour. Like it just, Oh hell yeah. yeah. It's like right there. The dream. So, so maybe that'll be, you guys can do some kind of like faux radio show bit and you can like combo open up for me when I get big Blake and Jake in the morning. Yeah, exactly. This is K one Oh five. Exactly. Yeah. That's what Your I'm saying. Boy drive time show. Yeah. I would Cassie lie. is sitting yeah. on the couch playing Stardew Valley and actively just went, Oh, as I did that. So <laughs> boy. Uh, all right. We should probably talk about not new metal and sure. not this. We should probably talk about the album we're going to do. Yeah. I don't want to get this off the rails. I don't want to be your Sam Sutherland. You know, I want to talk about yeah. the album at hand. Do you want to take your shots at, at Sam Sutherland yeah. and our Alexis on fire? I'm you guys, fucking pissed. Do you guys have a rivalry? So, I'm fucking pissed. No, What's, he what? just... I'm pissed. Yeah. I don't... I, well, Why? okay, I'll, I'll say this. I like Sam a lot. We had Josiah on Blocked Party. I would I would maybe have Sam on Block Party. I don't know. But um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love those guys. Their pod's awesome. But it was just like watch out is one of my favorite albums of all time. And I, I listen to your, like, I listen to this podcast. Like that's not a joke like that. You know, I think sometimes like people come on my, you know, people come on block party. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. Like I listen. Um, but then they like, don't know like the structure of the show or anything. I'm like, you don't fucking listen to the show, but I listen to your show. I like it <laughs> a lot. And, uh, I was really excited for watch out. Cause I, of course, particularly like the show when it's albums I liked. And then I, I texted Blake cause I was like, I, and I'm, I said, I was sorry. Cause I hate when people t tell me anything <laughs> about my podcast ever. I'm like, don't just uh, shut up unless you're just saying it's good. I don't care what I talked about. Don't. Uh, but anyway, I said to Blake that the, the no transitory erasure that occurred on watch out was, was a disgrace. And I really felt like Sam actively <laughs> chose watch out and then did not talk about it for like even one second. But I'm setting a trend. We're 16 minutes in and we haven't talked about this album either. So you know what? Who am I to talk? Yeah. No, we're just going to name drop a bunch of other bands that we saw yeah, that exactly. are loosely related to Broken Social Scene, yeah. which is kind of what Broken Social Scene is. <laughs> yeah, it literally is a bunch of smaller bands <laughs> that all got together. Like, yeah. this, would be the, this would be the album to do it. Would be like, oh, well, I wow. saw Do Make Say Think. And then I was like, whoa, who's this other related band or what? You know, it's like, yeah, it's very fun. I can't believe you're calling them made up of smaller bands when complaining about erasure, disrespecting treble charger like this is <laughs> not okay. But like smaller by number of People. artists, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, that's yeah. true. Treble charger didn't have an NFL roster as its yeah. recording group. They should have. By the way, uh, quick trivia here for you, John. Sure. Uh, Broken social scene, the number of personnel listed on their Wikipedia page. Is it 
more or less than an NBA roster size. Uh, well, how many is an NBA roster? 17. <laughs> it's more than that. Is it more or less than an NHL roster size, which is 23? See, here's the thing. I think that they ended up like, because later in the band's years, it was really just like Drew and Canning, and then they would just take whoever they could get. So I'm going to say right. it's more than 23. It is more than 23. Yeah. Is it more or less than an MLB roster size? And we won't use these expanded COVID rosters. We'll use the now customary 26-man roster. Okay, so I'm going to say it's 25 total. It's 27 listed on their Wikipedia 27, page. holy shit. Wow. I thought you might do a game where we where Jake and I had to like try to guess who was in the band. And like I I think I only know like six people maybe. Yeah, I think I I think I could probably get like 11. 11. Like that's, that's impressive so. actually. The issue with doing a game like that is that it makes us all look bad that we can only get 11 of the 27 members. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually shocked at 11. I don't think I could get, I think 11 is like pretty is pretty high. All right. Um there is no way we're going to have time to actually do this at the end because it's already 20 minutes in and no, we we're doing even it. We're doing it right started now. Started talking about the album? Go ahead, Jake. Okay. Start. Get to 11. <laughs> Oh wait, we actually we're actually doing this. Sorry, I stopped yeah. paying attention. Yeah, let's see second. if you can get eleven. I want to see if you can get eleven. Okay. I don't know if you can, okay. but I'll, I'll I'm not I'll, sure. I'll try to help. I'll help if you need it. Yeah. Okay. Why don't Why don't you guys do it together and we'll see. Okay. How many you so can get. Kevin Drew, obviously. Yeah. Brendan Canning. Brendan Canning. Yeah. Leslie Feist. Yeah. Uh, Amy Milan. Yeah. Yeah. Torquil Campbell. Was he an official member? Yeah, I mean, he's listed on the thing. Okay. That'll That'll do. Emily Haynes. Yeah. Bill Priddle. Bill Priddle. No idea. Tre Treble Charger, baby. Okay. Treble Charger. Nice. Uh, Andrew Whiteman. Nice. Charles Spearing. Yeah, Spearing. That's a good one. Yeah. The drummer's name is Jeremy something. No, it's Justin Paroff. Justin, Justin Paroff. Jeremy's Arcade Fire. Yeah. Justin Paroff, who was in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, by the way. Oh, sick. So once again, talking about more actors. Are we on at the eight? Show, we're at you're at nine. nine. Okay, I, I got can't. An, okay, I got I another can't one. Her name. Okay, go. Well, for the, well, okay. The touring member was Lisa Lobsinger. That's yep. the one I was just trying to remember. Thank and, you. And uh, John Crossingham was uh, one go. of the guitar That's players. 11. That's eleven. Is Jimmy Shaw in listed? Yes. No. Oh, so go. we got twelve. Okay. Listed as James Shaw, but James now Shaw, here did yeah. now see he this guy was a listed member on the self-titled album is chaos a listed member on wikipedia because he definitely was he is not okay all right because he, <laughs> he definitely was on uh was listen. he really yeah he has like his own song on the self-titled album he like he's like rapping and oh yeah yeah right yeah there were there were a couple of those on the self-titled like murray lightburn was on oh, that yeah. one too nice and he is not a credited member of the band are there any like um, notable names we missed? Yeah, the drummer from the Weaker Thans, if I can give you a hint. Jason Tate? Yeah. Jason Tate was in Broken Social Scene. I didn't know that. Nice. He sure was. Huh. That's it. I got not I'm tapped. I think I'm tapped. Uh, yeah, I think I'm tapped too. All right. But we did good. We're 13. At 13. That's good. And you can cut that whole thing Basically, out of the show if you want, but it was fun to do. Yeah, there's no <laughs> I enjoyed it. But yeah, the the lineup for Forgiveness Rock Record is like there were so many of them, and I know that one. And then oh, the rest okay. are kind of in and out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, good for you guys. I'm not going to read the other 14 because I would no, be... Who, would, who, and who cares? Podcast. No one cares. Yeah. Everyone yeah. hates this episode. Yes. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be good. Um, Let's talk well, about Well, you know song. who is going to hate it? it? I don't know if Sam Sutherland will actually listen, but I can't wait until the next time he's on discussing like Monine or something like that. Uh, and he takes issue with your broken social scene takes. I would love to talk about Monine as well. So bring us both yeah, on and we can fight... We can fight about it. Look, anything to not talk about the actual album we're supposed to talk about. Yeah, no, no. Let's talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The best episodes of this show are the ones where we focus on the album. So let's get to work here, boys. Let's go. All right. Uh, Before we dive in, John, I'll ask you, why did you want to do this album? You gave us a few options. Uh, We joked about potentially doing a new metal one. Why uh, you forgot it in people? I'll be honest with you, Blake. Kind of wanted to talk about Kings of Leon because of the times, but I knew you guys would wimp out on that because no one puts respect on that record. But it's one of the best records of all time. Anyway, this record for me, Kings of Leon came up last week on the podcast. Oh, did they? Hell yeah! That re- this is just Kings of Leon month. Now. Their first three records are like unassailable in my opinion. But anyway, uh, this this record for me. So I have like a very clear stages of music listening in my life. So like my early music. Like when I was like nine to like 11 was very like pop punky, like Weezer, Green Day, Blink, early Blink. And then it went from that to new metal. So I had like about solid like four or five years of new metal, Corn, Limp Bizkit, Deftones, all that stuff. Just four or five years, eh? Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it didn't really last that long, but I, I held on to it. And then I went from that to emo and screamo. So that was like, and then that's what I listened to for, you know, a really solid like part of the decade. But then this, so there were two records that were kind of responsible for turning me on to like indie music and like softer music. I'd pretty much always been like a rock, like a heavy rock guy. It was this record and a record by a British band called Elbow. Uh, The record's called Asleep in the Back, which I don't know if I even suggested to you because I just feel like enough people don't know Elbow, but they're an amazing band. You tweet about Elbow a lot. I love Elbow, man. They're so good. Yeah, they're such a good (laughs) band. It's crazy how good they're huge in the UK. They sell out arenas in in the UK like they they can do like five nights in a row at the O2 and sell it out. But for whatever reason, like when they come here, they play clubs. So they like never come here. But yeah, they're amazing. So those two records were kind of responsible for getting me into indie music. And obviously, this is like a Canadian podcast. You guys are both Toronto guys. So I figured it would be like a cool record to talk about just from that perspective of like, I feel like this was probably a record for a lot of people that are our age um, that kind of like got them into sort of softer, more like indie music. And and this record was very formative for me uh, in terms of that. Jake, I know uh, you feel similarly about it. So why why did you want to do this one? I, I sent you the list and I mean, one, it, it kind of fit in what else we were doing around here. But why did you want to jump on this one? Um, they're just a band that they're kind of a weird one. Like once they, when they went away for a bit and then when they came back a couple years ago, I haven't really listened to them at all. Uh, but this was sort of to what John was saying. Like there's a definite period of time in my life where starting to drift away from my, you know, emo pop punk leanings and get more into indie music and electronic music and that kind of stuff. And not that they're necessarily electronic, but they're sort of in that vein and they were just a big band for me and that in a group of friends I had at that time in my life. And we'd go see them a lot and being who they are and Canadian, obviously they played in and around all the time. So I've seen them a bunch and they were just a really like there, they have a few songs where like, if I hear them, I'm very instantly transported back to a very specific time in my life. And so I know to, as John said, I know that there's a lot of like a lot of people our age who I think 
have that opinion of them for, I think, similar reasons. And I am nothing if not a cliche. So <laughs> to me, this is very much like uh, th- this album. Whenever I put it on, I just picture like being in a dorm room. And like, I never yeah. lived in dorms in university. Like I only ever like had <laughs> friends that lived in dorms or like I dated a few girls that lived in dorms, but like that for whatever reason, like Sick this brag. is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, whatever, you know, you were busy with your Brett piercing or whatever, but, um, the, yeah, the, it was like, I, it was just one of those things. And that, and honestly, like I, I just, that is what I pictured. It was like the kind of like music that's just like playing in the background of like three years of university for me, even though it wasn't play, it wasn't that long, but that's what it feels like. It's funny you say that. Cause like one of the ways I started to get really heavily into this band was literally hanging out at people's houses in university with like their songs on in the background. Yeah. And then being like, what is this? And then being like, oh, it's the. Oh, yeah. Cause okay. it is like perfect background yeah. music in a way. Like it sounds really good and it's yeah. good enough to like grab your attention at times, but it's also very easy to just kind of like let drift in the background as well. Like it's got both of those things going for it. It's not strictly background music. If you're, if you're focused specifically on it, it sounds really good and it's very good, but it can also double as background music, which like not all music, that's a tough thing to do. Well, especially like for something like at university age, like studying or something like that. I, I guess this applies more to Feel Good Loss, their first album, which is almost strictly instrumental. Yeah. Feel Good Loss was my study record. Yeah. So uh, we are going to talk about You Forgot It in People after this. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. All right. Uh, some nonsense during the break there that you didn't get to hear. John, do you want to play your version for the, for the crowd? Uh-huh. There it is. You know it better than I do. I thought uh I thought about where I do the opening lyric at the start of every episode. I thought about just doing an instrumental one today, and now I should just take that and go put it off at the start. There you go. Do whatever you want, man. That that's yours. That clip is yours, man. Yeah, you signed it all however you want to. Yeah, that's it. I signed the waiver. Yeah, we're going to be using all like, hey, this is a blocked party affiliated. Uh, this is a comedy <laughs> records affiliated podcast. Barry Taylor cut the check. Yeah, there uh, we go. Our, exactly. <laughs> all right. We're going to zoom through some of the background here because uh, we're running so long already. Uh, Kevin Drew and Brandon Cannon got together in 1999 to record Feel Good Lost on Arts and Craft. I was fairly close to uh, Drew's earlier project with Charles Spearin, which was called Casey Accidental. Uh, They had a pair of albums in 1998 and 2000. Casey Accidental, of course, was then later the name of a Broken Social Scene song on You Forgot It In People. Uh, And it's kind of considered like a pre- 
broken social scene ban since Spiran was involved uh, with BSS as well. This is a clip from Residential Love Song by Casey Accidental to kind of give you a feel for where pre-broken social scene Kevin Drew was at. Casey Accidental, the song is the best way to open a concert that exists. Yeah, that's the one good thing about an instrumental open. And obviously, Casey Accidental doesn't lead the album. It's the second song. But uh, yeah, if you open with a instrumental or, or a long instrumental lead in for an opener, it makes for a great, great set opener. The show that they did at, I think it was the first field trip festival when they played this record front to back. When that song like explodes at the beginning like one of the best like crowd concert going things that I've been to. John, have you seen them as well live? I've seen them one time. And uh, are you guys, are you guys ready for this uh, Canadian bill? I saw them. I saw them oh on. Heck yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, I believe I want to say the opener was, uh, and I think you guys talked about this band on the Alexis on fire episode actually was uh, pilot speed previously known as pilot we did talk uh, about you know, pilots the, the caught the caught by the window band dun dun anyway i'm glad you say it because none of sure. us could none of us could remember how that song went when we last yeah but it was them. like a, i mean it's a classic song for sure but it was good uh so they opened i'm pretty sure then it was the stills Ooh. Another great band. I, I did consider uh, pitching um, level or logic will break your heart by the stills. But um, anyway, there uh, was the stills. A great record. So good. The stills and then broken social scene and then Sam Roberts. That was the uh, that was the tour. And that's the only time I've seen them. It was outdoors at Deer Lake Park uh, here in Vancouver. And it was a phenomenal show. Very, very good. None of the girls were there, but um, but it was like Lisa Lobsinger was there. But um yeah, it was awesome. If I remember correctly, either I, I'm conflating times I've seen them and which field trip festival or random set I saw them do. But I believe one time most of the stills were playing horns for them. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I saw them July 25th, 2006 was that. Uh, unfortunately, the set list is not on Setlist FM. I was just looking it up, but uh, it was a great show. I had a great time. Great live band. That whole, hey, whoever's around can play with us is kind of the idea. Uh, so after they did Feel Good Lost, the idea was to bring a lot of Toronto indie musicians together as contributors to add lyrics and vocals to the music and build out the live show. Pretty much the entire scene was a part of it at one point or another. As we mentioned earlier, 27 people are credited on Wikipedia, and that does not include even everyone we thought of when you get into people like Chaos. So everyone kind of sticks around to make Forgotten in People their second album. It was recorded over eight months and takes Broken Social Scene from kind of this ambient music to this sprawling indie rock. 18 of those 27 people are credited as personnel 
on this album. Uh, Drew and Canning still wrote every song, and they're still with Arts and Crafts. Uh, every album Broken Social Scene have released uh, has been with Arts and Crafts. As Kevin Drew told Pitchfork, I was scared to see if people were going to embrace the idea of a whole shitload of sounds on one album. Jake and John, you guys embraced a whole shitload of sounds <laughs> on one album. Uh, this starts with the instrumental open as a kind of a harken back to Feel Good Loss, then takes the an additional half song on Casey Accidental to get going. Our Discord chat, um, which you can get access to if you are a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash Columbia House Party. Uh, they did not like on a recent bonus episode when we got asked about instrumental opens in general. We were pro-instrumental o- opens, but I said it was bullshit to do one and a half instrumental opens and take three and a half minutes to get to a lyric. Uh, the Discord chat was not happy with me. John, your take on instrumental opens and in particular the kind of three, four minute build up here. Well, as a guy who played in a very dramatic indie band uh, around this time, uh, who, where our, our penchant was to uh, start the show uh, with like a two minute instrumental open, I'm very pro instrumental open. One thing I will say is I was surprised listening. So I think, I mean, Jake, you you might uh, have a similar thing. Like, I can't remember the last time I listened to this album, like cover to cover. Like I no, I, I obviously did it for for this episode. I listened to it twice through. And I did. I didn't remember it being so instrumental. Actually, like even the songs like that have like it is very like sprawling is a word that gets used a lot uh, when in describing music. But this album is very sprawling. Like I was kind of surprised at just how much instrumental and interlude type of stuff is on this record. And I think probably the reason it surprised me is because I skipped a lot of it. I think. Like I think when like not a lot, but like I think when I was listening to this record, like probably a lot of the time I just skipped the first track. I definitely used to skip Pacific theme all the time. Uh, So like I think that I just forgot that like when you actually sit down and listen to this cover to cover, it has a lot more in common with feel good loss than I remember. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that, like I said, because this band is is was such like a big live band for me, a lot of the times when I would like put together a playlist or something of songs of theirs listen to a lot of those more instrumental ambient tracks I'd also skip. And I remember when they played that field trip fest and they played this front to back, there's three or four songs that I actively forgot were on the record. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what, I don't know this song. And then realizing that it's just sort of either something I've heard in the background because it's, it's instrumental or a song I just never paid attention to because it wasn't like one of the, quote unquote songs yeah like i think like like the closer pitter patter goes my heart yeah that's what i was thinking it's like a reprise of anthems for a 17 year old girl which i didn't even know because i don't know that i ever listened to that song i'm pretty sure once i got through with track 12 which will remain nameless yes yeah i'm quite positive that i just would end the record there I might have yeah. even ended the record after Lover Spit, to be honest, even though I do think track 12 is pretty good. But I think a lot of the times I just was like Lover Spit kind of feels like the conclusion too. it's like a six minute song. It's very like it's got the build up. It's got the extra. It kind of feels like it could close the album. And I feel like in a lot of ways, there are a lot of times I probably just ended it there. And then, yeah, like I definitely did not remember. Like I was listening to it. I'm like, what the hell? They just reprise anthems. I do not remember this at all. Yeah. And I remember it feeling weird at that field trip because it was kind of like, 
you know, it's like whenever you see a band play an album front to back, once they kind of get through your favorites on the album, you kind of want them to finish the album so you can get to the other songs of theirs you like. And then when they got to, they played, when they finished with Lover Spit, it was like, all right, time for the other two records. And then there's track 12, which I do agree with you is a good song. And then it was like, oh, are they, is this like their encore break of just like playing this weird sort of version of anthems before they come back? But then going back to it and realizing, oh, no, this is actually on the record. It's just kind of yeah. a I, f- I actually find that with a lot of their albums include like not all not all. Actually, I can't really speak to the newest couple because I, to be honest, I have not listened to them. But the the, the newest one's really good. The self-titled and this one have like three or four songs that I actively forget are on them every single time. All right. Well, I'm going to not to uh, derail the conversation from the songs we don't remember and don't like on this album. Uh, I'm going to steer us toward the ones we do like. Uh, Casey Accidental slash Stars and Sons was released as the first single. And then Cause Equals Time was the follow up single. It was the only single off the album to even remotely chart it hit 102 in the UK. It's my favorite track off the album. This is Cause Equals Time. song by the way ranked as the number 145 best song on pitchforks top 500 of the 2000s list it's a lot of songs uh, 500 is too many what we, for us yeah we will not do what we did on the rilo kiley episode and bring up the list and start debating it uh, but that same list that same list is going to come up though uh, so anyone who remembers the Rilo Kylie episode and that yeah. NPR list, keep that in mind because we're getting there where in a was, second. Uh, where was Portions for Foxes on the list? Too low. It was like Too 130 okay. something So that's what you guys were debating. That's what you guys were debating about? Yes. Okay, yes. Gotcha. Our guest, our guest who you may have heard of, uh, a guy named Jeff Rosenstock for oh, that episode. Yeah. Or Jeff, Jeff as I like to call him. 
Yeah, just Jeff. My Jeff uh, and my best friend Jeff. My, bud, my best friend my Jeffrey Jeff, Rosenstock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say his um, whole name every time. I don't know, you guys know my start, best friend Jeffrey Rosenstock? He made me bring up the list and like start reading out songs that were <laughs> ahead of it just to see where why it should be higher. It, the list wasn't that bad. Anyway, we're going to get, you know what, let's just take it there now instead. So the reason we talk, this list, if for anyone who doesn't remember, uh, was NPR's list in 2018 of the best songs by a female or non-binary artist. Uh, also appearing on that list at number 61 was Anthems for a 17-Year-Old Girl by Broken Social Scene. That is a song that, as Caning told Vinyl Me Please, they were rehearsing at the Horseshoe Tavern here in Toronto, and Kevin Drew was unhappy with how they sounded. Uh, Canning kind of mumbled a lyric as he was messing around, and Haynes ran with it. Uh, Canning said he got hairs on his neck. And this was only a week before they went into the studio, but him and Haynes uh, chased the song when they kind of got that that feeling with the first couple uh, lyrics and the first little bit of playing around with it turned out pretty good. This is a this is another really great track. Um, Emily Haynes, who obviously went on to uh, be in Metric, just rips this song and the park that car, drop that phone, sleep on the floor, dream about me is haunting. It's so good. This is anthems for a 17 year old girl. Used to be a one of eighteen ones, and you liked it for that. Used to be a one of eighteen ones, and you liked it for that. Used to be a one of eighteen ones, and I liked it for that. Now you're all gone, got your makeup on, and you're not coming back. Can't you come back? Used to be a one of the rotten ones, and I liked you for that. Uh, within that NPR list, they kind of obviously Broken Social Scene isn't an entirely female or non-binary artist, uh, but they credited Haynes and Feist and Milan as kind of the under-acknowledged parts of this group, or, or maybe under-acknowledged isn't right by uh, the people who like this band, because obviously they were such a big part of it, but I don't know that, uh, you know, vocal performances like that on anthems for a 17-year-old girl are, uh, I don't know. That, that's that's NPR's take. I'm not going to steal that take. But um, John, I know that was a song that you um, like a lot and wanted to discuss as well. 
Yes, I'm just remembering. I saw Broken Social Scene a second time. Not that it matters, but uh, we got a lot of bands here right before the Olympics. They did like a, it was like a Vancouver Pride concert series kind of thing, uh, like the year before the Olympics. I saw Phoenix. I saw City in Color. And Broken Social Scene played with Tegan and Sarah. And I, the only reason I remember it is because they played anthems for a 17-year-old girl and Chaos showed up. And he like kind of took the lead on it and it sucked ass anyway. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, it was really bad. Chaos was like he lived in he I don't know if he still lives in Vancouver. He might. But he like for a long time lived here and just had a reputation of like he would show up at shows hammered out of his mind and just like actively ruin songs you were excited to see. For me, oh. Cause Equals Time is uh, one of my favorite songs of all time. We didn't really talk about it right after you, we played the clip of it, but I that, that Sorry. song. To, no, 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 that's my fault. <laughs> We've been just talking shit. I loved the video for that song with them all in the gas masks and stuff. It was just such a weird like song and video. Like it just sounded like nothing I ever liked before it, but I loved it so much and I still love it so much. Whenever I hear that opening drum beat, man, it just, it's such a great song. I, I love it so much. Anthems. Also a great song, but for me, cause equals time is the is the is the centerpiece of this record. But anthems is a great lead into it because it does have that kind of haunting melodic quality. Then it gets finished, and then you get hit with cause equals time. It's such a weird like back to back that you wouldn't find on almost any other band's record because it's just that's sort of what their sound was about, right? They were kind of like they'd morph their sound in whatever way made sense for the band. Um, but yeah, like those two songs, like right in the middle of the record uh, are just so they're so good. You know, um, both of them perfectly produced, sound fantastic and completely different. Like if you, if I told you they were two different bands, you would have no problem believing me. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, the album structure is something that I find so interesting about this. I think it is because they're so instrumental and the musicianship is so high is that you know, a 13 song, 56 minute indie track with, with three, five plus minute long songs. While that's a, a very Goldsby approach to things, it can sometimes <laughs> be difficult to structure an album like that. And I would say, you know, even kind of the three, four, five punch of Stars and Suns, Almost Crimes and Looks Just Like the Sun yeah. uh, is a good like to, to have those together works really well, too. I know you, you said you skip over Pacific theme um, and that's kind of almost like the downbeat before you get into the anthems and cause and time couplet, I guess. Jake, I, I know you usually have a, a lot of takes on album structure and sequencing. Um, is that something that stands out to you for this one because it is so instrumental and flows as a does yeah it is actually especially the way it's sort of like you have kind of your nice little intro with capture the flag and then kcxl kind of kicks you in the teeth and then stars and suns is sort of it's like i don't know to me this is going to sound maybe overly simplistic and not exactly how i mean it but if someone was like what does indie rock sound like in 2000 whatever i think stars and suns is probably the song i'd play them
So that's Stars and Sons. And then you have Almost Crimes, which is like so fun. And I am also, I will admit, I prefer my Broken Social Scene as a rock band version of Broken Social Scene rather Mm -hmm. than the more ambient stuff. Uh, I think they are underrated when they're just kind of, they just kind of let go and rock the fuck out. Same. Then that, that middle bit of like almost crimes through cause equals time, I think is pretty unimpeachable. Like, although I also skip Pacific theme. Yeah. I feel like if you cut, (laughs) like imagine cutting Pacific theme out of there and you just have that run from Casey accidental to cause equals time. Oh my God. It's too much. I don't think it's too much, not for me, but I, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind just bangers one after the other. Like I'm kind of like Jake. I wonder, Jake, if that's kind of like maybe our like screamo slash heavier background. Maybe. But like, you know, another band that's exactly like that to me is Grizzly Bear. It's like yes. when Grizzly, yeah, like Grizzly Bear's banger songs are so fucking good. Like Sleeping Ute and Yet Again and Three Rings and Four Cypresses and like those like the sun in your eyes, like those, their banger songs are so good. And then like every record has like five songs that like, yes, they're technically proficient, but I'm like, just make me an album of all bangers. That's what I want. And like a broken social scene has a very similar vibe to that across all their albums. Yeah. And like a couple of times I've seen them, they've actually opened the show with Pacific theme into Casey accidental. And so nothing, nothing against capture the flag, but I've always felt that like, maybe that should have been what was on the record and just like, Oh, like have it open with Pacific theme into case X and all. And then you get that like whole list of bangers, but also within that um, list of bangers there, as you guys said is looks just like the sun, which I think is up there on the favorite tracks for both of you guys. Uh, John, what is it about that song that, that hits for you? (sighs) I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a weird you one. You don't know. You demanded we talk about it when I tried to move us past it <laughs> off yeah, air. Yeah, and yeah. now you don't even know. Well, I do. I just. Okay, Blake. I mean, this is I'm, it's like a narrative structure I'm employing here. Like it's that I'm saying like <laughs> what, what I'm what I'm getting at is like at the time it made no sense that I would have liked a song like that. Like the, the stuff that I was into for like a full decade before this record came out should mean that like I would hear looks just like the sun and be like, oh, this is music for girls. And I'm not that's a reductive opinion. But, you know, I was I grew up in a white suburb in British Columbia, like I was a reductive man. So like that's what I would have thought. I would have been like, oh, this is not who listens to this music. Like, give me freak on a leash or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about <laughs> give it. Give me man music. Yeah, give me the, give me music for <laughs> men. You know, like give me corn. a man literally barking like a dog in the middle exactly. of a song. Exactly. DMX and Corn. Those are the only two <laughs> bands that any man is allowed to listen to. Um, but yeah, the, it was funny because um, yeah, I just I always like this song. I don't know if it's the drum beat. Like I'm a drummer, and the drums are like very uh, are are very like. Pro- propulsive but also like low key and I love that type of drumming it's very Stuart Copeland Stuart Copeland's like the master of like propulsive drumming that doesn't like overwhelm the song and there's just something about it and I love I don't know why but I love the like I think it's um Brendan Canning talking to Kevin Drew being like here we go Kev I don't know what it is but I always loved those parts there's like one two three like I just I don't know there was just something there's just something uncanny about this song that I really like I love the lyrics especially like you know I was 20 years old listening to this song yes the lyrics are a little bit simplistic but like the idea of listening to a song called looks just like the sun and thinking about a girl you had a crush on and being like oh my god 
she's beautiful and she looks like the sun and why won't she love me? You know, like, I don't know. It just, there's, there's just, this song has always had a certain je ne sais quoi to me that still to this day, whenever it comes on, it's an unskippable song for me. If this song comes up on shuffle, no matter what I'm listening to, unskippable. I love this song. It's certainly, yeah, th- thinking of a girl you like and thinking she looks just like the sun is certainly preferable to thinking of a girl you like and thinking, wow, when I think of her, I got the life. <laughs> well, I mean, there there's a time and place for both. You know, I believe it's, uh, you know, I believe there's a yin and yang in life, bet- you know, between got the life and looks just like the sun that you can enjoy both halves of that uh of that circle. But Blake, like what is your, I'm curious, like you haven't shared an opinion on this album at all. What was your, like, oh, what I'm was your host, experience? I'm in the host chair today. Yeah, no, I know. But like, I, I still am curious because you are a Southern Ontario guy, you know, like what was your experience with this album? Cause I feel like you, it sort of seems like you didn't really have one, which is crazy to me. No, I didn't. Honestly, I, um, I was later to this album. Um, so, you know, I didn't grow up. I didn't live in Toronto until 2013. I was outside of Toronto in Cambridge and Kingston and Kitchener. So, you know, the, the local scene eluded me a little bit. And then I didn't really get into the indie side of stuff. Like I was pretty strictly just pop punk and emo until, I don't know, maybe like the late 00s. Uh, and then I started listening to this kind of stuff. And at that point, um, I wasn't living in the city and I wasn't going to a ton of concerts at that stage. Um, so I know I've never seen them live. You know, I had no attachment to the album at the time other than, you know, I'm, I probably listened to it studying and stuff when I went back to school in 2012. Um, but yeah, I don't have a lot of connections to it. It's just kind of a, an album that a lot of people whose taste I overlap with liked. So I checked out and enjoy, but yeah, no, almost no personal connection to this album whatsoever. Interesting. It just felt like such a big record to me. Yeah. I I agree with you that cause equals time is the best track on the album. Uh, I just like in terms of connection, this was a weird, like when I went, I, I almost didn't realize until we started doing this podcast and like every person who heard we were doing it was like, when are you doing a broken social scene episode? I didn't realize the enormity of like how much they meant to the Toronto scene. And like, I knew obviously that like their band members went on to be like metric and feist and um, came from Len and treble charger and, and became stars and all that stuff. But I didn't realize like the importance to people who loved this scene yeah. uh, until, you know, more recent years, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It was just interesting because I feel like that's also part of the reason why I like this record. So like I grew up in Southern Ontario, but I moved to Vancouver and I was 14. So I moved in 1999. And so like, I wasn't even a Toronto person, but there was, I think, and Jake can probably back me up on this. There was a sense of like, this, this was like a, a record that a lot of Canadians were like proud of, you know, how Canadians have that thing where we're like proud of art that comes from Canada, even though we had absolutely nothing to do with it. This was like one of those yeah, it's things. called the Polaris prize now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm so proud of, uh, of everyone who's on the short list, but, um, yeah, it was just like, it, 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 there was something about this record where it was like, this band was spoken of by places like pitchfork, but like by indie tastemakers as being like one of the King shit bands in that era of like, you know, and this is a golden era of like all the indie bands that are huge today. We're getting their start around this time, the national death cab, you know, all the, all those bands and, and broken social scene arcade fire too, were were held up as like, 
this is like one of the best bands in the genre. And then the pitchfork essentially made all of the satellite bands as well, like metric and Feist and all those other band stars. And so it's just so interesting to me that like, you know, you're a guy who loved music so much that you grew up in an area surrounded by this and it just didn't hit you in that way. Cause I know that for like my music loving friends, there was totally something about this record, not only being Canadian, but being a lot of Canadians. It was like, Holy shit, like 18 Canadians got together and made this badass album, you know, that like people are holding up as like a touchstone indie album. There was like really something to that, that made this record and the self-titled record after it, uh, like additionally special. Yeah. And I think that's probably a symptom of, you know, one, me being mostly like on the pop punk and emo side until I got a little older and then started appreciating the indie stuff. And also like none of my friends, like I didn't have music friends other than like the friends that I, the couple of friends I went to warp tour with, like most of my music was like, via online and online friends and finding music that way. So like the Canadianness of it didn't really like it didn't really matter to me at the time because like I didn't have a lot of friends that were like I was going to the same shows with and were pushing me to or like would even put on my radar that like, hey, there's this really cool Canadian indie thing happening. Yeah, that's, you know, my uh, my experience with that stuff was a little different. We're going to talk about how this album was received and how it holds up a little bit after this. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, I'm going to bring us out of this by, of course, talking about uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world because... Uh, we have not, this podcast hasn't been derailed enough. I'm going to take us uh, somewhere else. Before we get to Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, John mentioned just how well-received this album was. Uh, it was incredibly well-received. It has an 86 on Metacritic. Spin gave it a B plus. Pitchfork gave it a 9.2, calling it endlessly replayable, perfect pop. Uh, it was number 27 on Pitchfork's top 100 of the 2000 to 2004 half decade. And number 23, it increased, it improved on their subsequent top 200 of the 2000s. And also, I joked about the Polaris Prize earlier. Uh, this album did win the Juno Award for Alternative Album of the Year. And in 2018, it won the Polaris Heritage Prize Audience Award 
Uh, so a lot of love for it there. As we look at where the band went after this album, uh, they released a self-titled in 2005 that went gold, briefly charted, and it also won Juno Alternative Album of the Year. That album includes uh, Seven Four Shoreline and Fire-Eyed Boy, uh, the former of which charted okay by their standards. They didn't really have a lot of uh, singles that charted. And then their two albums since, in 2010, they released Forgiveness Rock Record. Uh, a brief hiatus followed. Uh, they had this really cool project uh, with House of Anansi and uh, Broken Social Scene where authors could write short stories inspired by You Forgotten in People. Uh, and they were that was released as an anthology, which is right up my alley. And then in 2017, they released Hug of Thunder, which, uh, John, you feel is pretty good and better, certainly better than Forgiveness Rock Record. Yeah, um, I think... Part of it, Forgiveness Rock Record, was just like, it just came at a time where like I didn't need it. I didn't feel like I, even though it was a five-year or whatever, four-year gap between that and the self-titled, there was just something about it. It just it just never hit with me. And I, I, I think it was just because like that was in the time when like Kevin Drew and Brendan Canning were both doing solo stuff too. So they were putting out a ton of their own shit. Feist and, and Emily Haynes had essentially left the band it just wasn't as interesting anymore. Um, and it just wasn't, I wasn't like, oh man, I really need another broken social scene record. Uh, and I think the seven year gap between that record and hug of thunder really like brought home, like changed where I, at, in 2017, I was like, oh yeah, I could do with another broken social scene record. And it's really good. Uh, Jake, you said you haven't really listened to it that much. It's like, it's very good. It holds up in all of their, in, in, with all of the rest of their canon. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't think forgiveness rock record is even that bad. I think it's almost similar to your story, Blake, where, you know, how sometimes just like albums from bands you love come out and, and they just kind of completely miss you for some reason. That was forgiveness rock record for me. Like I think world sick is, is a great song could is one of their best songs actually, but the rest of the record never really hung on with me. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I think it's more personal than anything else. Uh, but I do think hug of thunder is, is excellent. It's funny you say that actually, because my favorite is actually forgiveness rock record for oh, okay. basically the exact reason you said it's not. In that it came right. along at a time where like, that's just like a big nostalgic record for me. Like that's when I got real heavy into the band and just like what me and my friends were listening to in 2010. And so it holds a very high place in my heart. And to my earlier point about preferring Broken Social Scene as a rock band, I think that's probably the most straightforward record of their discography. Like every song is just kind of a song for lack of a better term. Uh, and the, yeah, I have nothing against Hug of Thunder. I just, I remember hearing the singles and thinking they were good, but then never really, I think I, le I think I listened to the album once and then just never went back to it. Not cause I didn't like it. It just like, to your point, I didn't need it at the time. So it was just kind of like, okay, that's cool. If they're still doing it. All right. And to give you kind of an idea of what that rock sound sounded like on Forgiveness Rock Record, which by the way, was a shortlist nominee for the 2010 Polaris Music Prize. Oh, there uh, this we is go. World, this is World Sick off of that album.
So since 2017's Hug of Thunder, um, they released a two-part EP in April of 2019, uh, but nothing since. I guess my question, I, I shouldn't say nothing since. Uh, I did mention the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World connection, where uh, Broken Social Scene are Crash and the Boys. Metric are Brie Larson's band The Clash at Demonhead, and Broken Social Scene uh, also had an influence on Glenn Chapman's score. Uh, if you want to talk about things that the Toronto scene likes to hold on to and feels is representative of them uh, in a bigger way than just a band. Well, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is the movie version of that with scenes meant to uh, be Lee's Palace. Uh, obviously, the Casaloma Steps, which are right around the corner from me as we speak, uh, being a big part of the scene. And, you know, the pizza pizza in the background. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, full of Toronto uh, kind of Easter eggs, I guess, if you know the city. And Broken Social Scene and Metric were a big, big part of that. Do you guys like that movie, I guess, but also like the use of BSS and metric in it. Yeah, I am. That's the best use of metric is what I will say. That version, that version of black sheep in the Scott Pilgrim movie is really great. Uh, and that's what I will say about that. Uh, I do like it though. I think it's very appropriate for like, I kind of, like, I think it like that book and that movie are so like, even though it's sort of cliche at this point, I guess they are so Toronto. And like, I remember when I was living in Montreal, reading the books and being like, boy, I can't wait to go back to Toronto. Cause it made me feel like, like those books make me feel like Toronto. So I think having, these didn't you spend of, your whole time in Montreal wanting to go back to Toronto? Though? No, I loved it at first. Uh, then oh. I, I sat on as I stayed for a bit, but uh, I feel like, because sort of what John was saying earlier about like the this showing up in that indie boom, I think there was a real sense of um, like possessiveness of bands from different cities in Canada at that time. Like every city kind of had their heavy hitter in the indie rock wars, so to speak. Yeah, uh, ours was called Nickelback. So <laughs> look them up. Okay, sold millions. Sold a broken social scene. Never even heard of them. Look up. <laughs> look up Nickelback. Okay. <laughs> But like, yeah, go back and listen to uh, our recent singles episode where we get into Chad Kroger's even better band, uh, his unnamed supergroup with Josie Scott and uh, oh. a couple of other. They do Jeremy Taggart. Jeremy Taggart's drummer, go. right? That's a yeah. great song, by the way. I can't wait to listen. It is I an listen awesome to that episode song. Yet. It's such a good song. Holy fuck, is it good? But no, anyway, I feel sorry. like it's appropriate to have those bands in Scott Pilgrim because, like, in the like it, they were one of, if not the biggest hitter for Toronto, like this sounds so simplistic, but if you were around in the indie boom in the mid two thousands, you'll know exactly what I mean. Like they were sort of Toronto's representative of the indie bands and to have them all over a movie that is, if not the movie, it's like the movie itself obviously is, but like, especially where the movie came from in the books be so Toronto. I think it like, it, it makes total sense to me. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, all right, so we should cover off a little bit that uh, everyone from this band was in other cool stuff. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Metric, Feist, Stars, Treble Charger, Len, all of those bands. Uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, as I said. There is, I have like two paragraphs here worth of other bands they've been a part of, as well as their solo projects that I'm not going to go through. Uh, you have Sorry, Wikipedia. Did you just say you how also, to lose a guy in 10 days? Yeah. 
Justin Paroff is in it. He oh, right. Yes. Yeah, okay. I said Sorry. that off the top. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Scott doesn't listen, even listen to the podcast. Jake. Scott doesn't even listen to I his don't... own show, man. You know that I don't. He's just waiting for his turn to make a bad joke. <laughs> Who listens to podcasts? No, you're no. I mean, I listen to podcasts, but yeah, I definitely don't listen to my own. So I, I can't blame you for that. Never. Never. Yeah, no. uh, anyway, you have Wikipedia. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you can see my research notes from this episode. And it's all there. If you yeah, are you, not a Patreon just, supporter, patreon.com slash Columbia House Party. Sorry to step over your plug. No, patreon.com slash Columbia House Party. Um, the only bands that you need to listen to that are related to Broken Social Scene, in my humble opinion, are Do Make Say Think and Apostle of Hustle. The rest, just put them in a bin. Well, Feist is good too, but to me, that's not even like a, that's not a band. That's her. Uh, but the yeah, rest, I would put, add Treble Charger and Len to that. Well, list. yeah, yeah. I love they, that you keep going before. to Len. I love they that were you keep precursor. going to Len. They were precursor. Yeah. That doesn't count. And Len had one good song. But they're in the broken social scene universe. Sure, sure, sure. And Steal Your Sunshine is an amazing song. One of the best Canadian songs ever. I'll go to bat for that. I'm also happy yeah. that you are going to bat for Apostle of Hustle, who were yeah. the best. Excellent. Yeah. All right. It is at the time in the podcast where we uh, rank and argue about stuff. Uh, you guys will probably argue a little bit more. And Jake, you already gave it away. But uh, And John, by virtue of picking this album, you probably gave it away. But Jake, your favorite um, Broken Social Scene album is Forgiveness Rock Record? Yeah, I think so. And I recognize that we talk about this a lot with lists. Like, I will recognize that You Forgotten in People is probably the best record. But I have too many personal feelings for so many reasons tied up in forgiveness rock record that I can't not pick it. Uh, and yourself, John, how would you, I, I guess you would have it. Um, you forgot it in people and then probably hug of thunder. Uh, I would put the self titled ahead of hug of thunder okay. and then hug of thunder. And then I would, for me, like, again, I just kind of missed forgiveness rock record. So it's probably better than feel good lost, but I've listened to feel good lost, like at least 50 more times than forgiveness rock record. So I probably have to rank that even above forgiveness rock record, which like won't be a popular take. But again, that's just my, that's just my personal bias. So please, uh, if you're listening to this and you're mad, please forgiveness rock record me. <laughs> yes. Oh the fans. Yes. I love it. Oh Feed me uh, the bad you. jokes. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> you. All right. We kind of also touched on, uh, yes, I'm just glossing over that and trying to move us on. We also <laughs> talked about favorite songs on uh, this album, You Forgot It in People. Uh, John and I both said Cause Equals Time. Um, Looks Just Like the Sun was a popular one as well. And then, of course, Anthems for a 17-year-old girl is uh, they're probably their biggest song and certainly their most listened to on Spotify. Uh, John, at this part in the, the podcast, we pick a song off the album for the mix. Oh, Jake, do you have a favorite song off the album? I guess I should let you yeah, contribute as well. I actually uh, changed my mind on what it was in the course of this episode. And I think it's Casey Accidental just because of its live presence. And oh, interesting. The way, it, the way that first musical like thump hits on a live show, especially that one at Field Trip, will always stick with me and i it's like it's not the best song on the record but it's like like it's impossible for me to judge this band objectively they're just too ingrained in so many things so but i think if i was picking like what i think the best or other than that one i'd probably go cause equals time also and i'm also i'm also a okay. sucker for almost crimes i won't lie yeah almost crimes is a great song well 
John, you are the guest, and since you're uh, such a huge fan of this podcast, you know how this works. Yeah. Um, we have to pick one for the mixtape, and we generally let the guests uh, oh. strongly suggest what we pick. Uh, generally, either your favorite song or the most representative of our conversation or your attachment to them. So, John, what do you feel like is the best inclusion on the mixtape? It's got to be cause equals time. I, I think. I think like Jake was saying about stars and sons being like an indie song. Like if you were like, what's an indie rock song. And I completely agree. It's, it's a little more straight ahead than cause equals time. But for me, like cause equals time is like a genre defining song. Like I think if you were making mm-hmm. like a 10 song playlist where you could only have one song from a band that to try and say like, what was the seminal like 10 songs of indie rock in the early two thousands or even the first decade, I, I think cause equals time is is on there for me. So I think that's got to be the song that works for me. Any arguments, Jake? None. All right. Cause equals time going on the mixtape. That brings us to the end here. Before we close out, I just want to say a special thank you to Jennifer Bond, one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, thank you so much for the continued support, not just on Patreon, uh, but social media, the discord chat, all those places. Uh, it means a lot to us for all of our Patreon supporters. Um, but Jennifer, thank you specifically today also a thank you to dylan uh we joked a lot about how much weight he carries on an episode like this he always does a lot of great work for us um he's our producer he's the best uh, and john uh you could just uh invoice john for the extra labor yeah. from <laughs> no problem i'm see i'm not joking i'm actually not joking <laughs> if you send me an invoice i will pay it i'll pay double so you, there you go so feel free to send it in all right. Um, and John Cullen, thank yeah. you, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, as I said, I'm a genuine fan of this podcast. I think it's, uh, I think there are a lot of music podcasts and I think this is a very, very good one. And I think the editing of the pod is fantastic. <laughs> and, um, I'm serious. It is this such is like, a well edited It's like when you go podcast. see a friend's play and you're like, Oh, the lighting was great honestly like you though, were it was, you were fine but the lighting is great no no you two are great too i mean it's obvious like blake <laughs> yeah. you know i mean i think i'm not telling tales at a school like blake is is a psycho um like the yes. pre-show notes you sent out incredible i've never seen anything like it in my life so good like the, the amount of research and care you guys put into the show is it shows i would say and it's a it's a very great podcast one of my favorites i've listened to a vast majority of the episodes I've been, I think pretty close to a day one Patreon donor. So, uh, so yeah, I, I put my money where well, my thank mouth you to is. John Cullen show. then as well. <laughs> you know, you don't know. Thank um, Jennifer. It, That's good. You don't have to thank me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you subscribe to Patreon now at patreon.com slash Columbia house party, even though he's not in the discord, I'll give you John Cullen's email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can, Invoice you me. You can have conversations with him that <laughs> so way. You had to listen. I'll, I'll come in the discord. I'll come in the discord after this episode airs. I want the adulation and I want to fight with people Perfect. who disagree with me. So there you go. Yeah. It's, it's a win win. Yeah. You'll be the second second guest in the discord. I think I think Andrew Wilson, who did the, who did the December episode. Is, uh, oh, that's another bad well. band, hey? The Decemberists. Oh, yeah. there we go. We were on the same side for so long. <laughs> I had to get you. I had to get some sort of conflict before I left with you, Jake. Guys, follow John on Twitter at Cullen the Comic. He has a new comedy album coming out uh, either in late September or early October. I'm sure it'll be great. I've seen him live before. He's very, very funny. If this podcast didn't give you uh, an indication, and see him live whenever we're allowed to do that stuff again. 
but just be a respectful audience member or he'll rip you to shreds as I saw him do <laughs> um, not all that long ago. Also, check out his podcast's Blocked Party, which is uh, much better and funnier than this one, and the POD cast, which is much more new metal than this one, uh, which is the, the, the best, so far. best compliment. I'll pay it. Yeah, so far. Um, guys, thanks so much. Uh, John, this is great. Jake, this is okay. Yeah, fair. You were, you were <laughs> fine. You John was great. You were fine. And if this podcast wasn't Canadian enough for you with Broken Social Scene and all the directions they go in, and me, Jake, and John, uh, clowning around about our Canadian music experiences, uh, we're going to get Canadian, even more Canadian, the next month or so. We put to our Patreon supporters, which again, you can uh, become one at patreon.com slash Columbia House Party. Uh, we put it to them to vote on what our next couple of episodes will be. We're going to do a little Canadian early 2000s pop punk arc here uh, four weeks uh, (laughs) four more weeks rather since Broken Social Scene are also Canadian of uh, early 2000s CanCon acts the first one of those has a nice tie-in to Broken Social Scene Uh, they tied for first in the Patreon vote and Ben the lead singer of this band uh, co-starred in a play written by Kevin Drew of Broken Social Scene uh, called A&R Angels. So, weird connection. One of the weirdest we've had so far taken to the stage. But next week, Billy Talent. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.